With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And by the shivering Charlotte Dunker. Hello. Are you both doing okay? Samuel, you seem in a much better uh, state than Charlotte this one. She's freezing. Yes, yeah, but Charlotte has been unwell, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so I she's, it's, it's forgivable <laughs> in that sense. It is freezing in here. No? Mm. It's cold, yeah, but uh, thankfully... There's some... I'm getting a shake of the head from the yeah. producer, but it is. Yeah. I think we need heaters. Or maybe we should have some hot chat to uh, warm it up. And, uh, Samuel, oh, we that have was a... cheesy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was... Okay. <laughs> well, in- interject when you're allowed to. But, uh, <laughs> Samuel, we had the pleasure of going to Old Trafford on Saturday. United's response from Derby defeat to Man City was to push aside Norwich, a game where United were emphatic in the second half particularly, but even at 3-0 up, the United fans vocal in their... Uh, well, they're anti-Glazer and anti-Woodwood uh, chanting from the Stratford end. And I guess that proves that even though United have made a response this weekend, fans still aren't happy with the way the club is going at the moment. Yeah, mutiny simmered on a day of togetherness, I suppose. And the, the goals were being celebrated with the substitutes. Solskjaer was able to bring on Angel Gomez with you know plenty of time to give him some league exposure. But I mean, when those chants started, we were looking at each other, trying to make out what who is the so-and-so who's the yeah. subject of the yes the subject of self-gratification or, or the who they're accusing of that and I think it, it it did jolt everyone in the press box because we just never heard it before and then the chanting became a lot more sinister and it also spread and then you had we want glazers out which probably started about 10 years ago with the green and gold movement which also coincidentally started with a 4-0 home win in the Premier League against Hull I can understand I'm not obviously you can't condone um, the chanting given how sinister it was and it, it would have been a deeply unpleasant experience for Woodward and his wife who, was, who sat with him in the, the director's box it is however understandable why Manchester United supporters would be venting their dismay at him given that he is the common denominator in seven years largely a failure uh, the Glazer family have never been well liked and the fact of the matter is if results are not good and if you've not got a figurehead who can protect the owners and protect the chief executive from abuse like Sir Alex Ferguson could then you're, that they are vulnerable. The Glazers are hardly ever at Old Trafford and it's water off a duck's back to them. I've said before the nonsense on social media in the summer about unfollow Man United and this, that and the other. Do you think they care? They, they don't care. Do you think it has an impact? It doesn't have an impact. What does have an impact, what is more newsworthy, is matchgoers chanting en masse against the chief executive and against the owners. And Solskjaer was a lot later coming to the press conference than he normally is. He normally takes an eternity, but the, the walk from the tunnel, the dressing room, uh, to the press conference is, is pretty much the whole, whole length of the South Stand. And you do go through the director's lounge and he does spend a fair bit of time there 
hobnobbing, um, you know, greeting fans, having selfies. And you would imagine that he spoke to Woodward during that period as well. Uh, Woodward was pretty, you know, he went back into the director's lounge quite sharpish at the end of the game. And he'll have probably spoken to him then. And then when he did get asked about the chanting, which I think was the last question um, at his press conference, he said, I mean, he could have done a cop-out. He could have said, I didn't hear it. I was focused on the game. I was paying attention to that. But he addressed it. Um, he addressed it at length. Uh, a lot of United supporters were unhappy with what he said. But given the position he's in, he can't exactly say, I completely agree with what they said um, or, or defend it remotely. I think he, he it was a bit of fence-sitting from him, but he had to be that way. He had to take that stance. And there are a lot of United fans who've obviously referred to his comments 15 years ago when he actually uh, went on record to oppose the takeover three months before it went through. But times change and... Yeah, effectively when I suppose when he went to Cardiff City and agreed to work for Vincent Tan who was a pretty unpopular owner there that there was an element of hypocrisy then and then of course he's, he's become United manager as well so I can understand fans frustration and I think I think I suppose the only surprise really is that it hasn't happened sooner and it's not been as widespread as you know, maybe it could or, or should have been given how United season is going. But there is perspective. And as Solskjaer said, they are in three cup competitions. They're not far off fourth spot. But I think from a lot of United fans' perspectives, um, it, it goes way beyond the results. And the fact of the matter is Woodward got paid £3.1 million last season um, when he refused to back Mourinho in the summer I think if Liverpool win, well, when when Liverpool win the league, very optimistic, that. <laughs> you might as well give him a medal for it because of what he didn't do uh, in the 2018 summer window when Liverpool were buying to win the title and United were buying to to finish fourth effectively. So it's uh, I suppose maybe with those accounts coming out on Friday, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. But Woodward's popularity hinges on results. Morning after. The PSG last season we saw him at Charles School Airport supporters were asking him for selfies um, that's you know that was probably the peak of post post Ferguson United there and, and that wasn't even when United won a trophy that evening so if results are on the up then I think Woodward's popularity will be on the up and of course you know the transfer window's open and you can always appease supporters by signing a certain player Charlotte, do you, I mean, in terms of the process, what do you think is the best way for United fans to, to voice their anger towards the, the way the clubs run? Because like Simon said, if a couple of good wins now, if United beat Wolves and beat Liverpool, then I'm sure that the, the chanting will be on a lower scale at least. I'm not sure it will be because I think their Wolves definitely won't be an easy game, but I don't think that res- fans are going to be conned by thinking that a few good results is, that means United are back on track and every- everything is perfect. People know that the club has been the way it's been ran for years isn't right and fans aren't happy with that just because they've not been chanting about it I don't think it means that suddenly they've all agreed the Glazers are great owners and Ed Woodward's great at his job and it's but it's I think it's interesting that they chant more when they're winning it's like they don't want to detract away if it's a bad performance they need to support the team or something and then they go three, four nil up against Norwich and it's like, oh, job done on the pitch. What should we do now? I know we'll turn our attentions to who's sitting in the director's box. And you could see all the fans in the Stratford and they were pointing towards the director's box when they were, it was like point, it was, wasn't it? Pointed like chanting yeah. to, towards 
those figures that were sat in there, they think they're who to play to blame. And even if United do finish fourth or by some miracle win the Europa League or get through to the FA Cup final, that the dissatisfaction at the way the club is being run is still there amongst the core support. So do you think chatting is that that's the best way for them to go well, about what, their protests? What other, what other, or not go to matches? Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, hurt, don't. But the the problem that they've you've got is, say, thousands of season ticket holders suddenly decide that they're not going to go to the games. They've already paid for those tickets that they're not going to turn up to. So, they're, the are the United hierarchy going to care that there's empty seats in the stadium if they've already been paid for? No, not really. So then it's not renewing season tickets. They don't renew people. The older fans or whoever is disappointed with the way the club's being run don't renew the season tickets but someone else will buy the ticket. I know they had loads of empty seats in the League Cup against City, but the demand for selling tickets is still there. They can still get over 70,000 fans in a stadium, even though they've not been playing very exciting football and fans don't agree with the way the club's been run. So unfortunately, I think it takes some people to not go, but then other people are going to go, oh, this is my opportunity. So... The only way the, the only way that they've got to do it is to chant at games, isn't it? That's the only way they can voice a disapproval at the minute. I think the the demand isn't as great as it was. I mean, a United season ticket yesteryear, fifteen twenty years ago, it would have been like getting the golden ticket in like what Charlie Bucket got that time. Uh, it's easier to get tickets now. It's easier yeah. to obtain tickets, and although as you say it doesn't really matter if they are empty season it's just season ticket holders have already paid for that that game already it's not a good look and it certainly had an impact on Van Gaal's time there when I think it was, it was the Crystal Palace home game where this, the stadium did look half empty I think that was more of a protest against the manager than from United for United fans now if they want to protest against the owners it is, it is going to have to be a case of hitting them where it hurts which is their wallets that that is the only way to do it the, the green and gold campaign 10 years ago as, as captivating as it was was incredibly flawed because the, the presence was at the ground so you were still paying the owners and unfortunately as well I think what Beckham did didn't help it in the although he actually accepted that green gold scarf put it around his neck he bottled it afterwards he had a interview in the tunnel and he didn't he didn't speak out against the Glazers. All he did was make a green and gold scarf a fashion accessory. So then you'd have kids going, or, or adults, whoever, going to Old Trafford, wearing a green and gold scarf over a Aeon or whatever, whoever the they were sponsored kit. by yeah. it at the time. So, you know, the, the the hypocrisy of it was was crazy. But So do you think it's these former players to speak out and, and maybe... I don't think that will make much of a difference. Um, I mean, if Gary Neville did speak out against the Glazers, that that would be pretty colossal because he's never done that before. If anything, he's actually defended them. Uh, he, he get he's accepted. He gets a lot of stick on Twitter for not speaking out against them, but he wants to keep his powder dry there because the day may come where Manchester United offer him and his his mates an awful lot of money to buy their hotel off them. Because effectively, that is a tank on United's lawn, um, the hotel just just opposite the East End. So, as I said, I I don't think that would make a great deal of difference, certainly not to the Glazers. Effectively, if if revenue is down, if income is down, 
that's that's gonna that's gonna be the thing that's gonna drive them out of the club. But they have been there for what is it, fifteen years now, nearly, and in times where there, there is a lot of dissent, they actually become more visible. They started going to games during the Green and Gold campaign and the threats that are, you know, that are chanted were obviously never, ever carried out and they never would be carried out. Um, and I think the makeup, but it is interesting that the supporters have not mobilised as such, but they did very carefully choreograph that. I would love to know from those stood in the Stratford End on Saturday, what was the trigger for that chanting? Was it the accounts that came out on Friday that showed that Woodward's got £3.1 million? Was it the City defeat? Possibly the City defeat, given how ugly it got, I think five... Was it but it wasn't even chanted then, was it? And you'd think that as bad as... A- that first half against City was as bad as it is as bad as it has been in years it's at United. Check, it was it? yeah, but but, but it but it was well. it wasn't there wasn't that feeling from the match going fans I think people were just sort of a bit like, Oh, this is so bad. It didn't get negative it didn't get negative to the point that it did on Saturday when they were four 0 up the so chance. Did the dust it, need to settle then? Yeah, think I because... I think I think that's what it was, but I also think that do you not think there was the presence of the City fans though? Because if you know the fans start chatting about it, then the City fans are going to have the best away day they've ever had in their lives when they see the disarray the United are well, in. There, maybe to an extent, but I don't think that most match-going United fans give one about whether City fans have a good, good day at Old Trafford or not. But I just... I think there's this mentality that it's support support the team and defend the club. And I think when you've gone 3-0 down and you should be, could have been 6-7-0 down at half time, to start turning your back on the club and chant, and chanting that, I don't, I don't think that that's what the Stretford Enders who were chanting on Saturday thought about. So maybe the dust did need to settle, but being 4-0 up in, in cruise control in a game where you're not really detracting away from anything else seem, is, a, is a better opportunity to prove your point than when you're being hammered at home by your closest rivals. To be fair to City fans, I don't think you can get any best than United fans trying to rip down the David Moyes banner nearly six <laughs> years ago and Moyes being abused and Ferguson being abused for appointing Moyes as well. Uh, so... But but the timing of it was interesting, and it also wasn't as if it it was a game on TV and it was going to get immense exposure. It was a three pm kickoff on Saturday, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens from now, whether it intensifies or whether it was just a one off and they accept. But there there are two critical games this week, and you'd be surprised at the time of recording this if if those chants aren't chanted again at Anfield on Sunday. We shall see. But I guess, Charlotte, you mentioned there, it was a comfortable 4-0 home win for United. It was run-of-the-mill. That first half was quite underwhelming, but they turned it on the second half, and in the end it was comfortable. Big save from De Gea just for half-time kept them. But uh, Juan Mata came back into the first team, proved a lot of people wrong. I know when the team sheet dropped, there was lots of supporters, mainly on social media, saying, why is he even anywhere near the first team? Well, and also playing on the on the right. Yeah. When I saw them line up, I was thinking, well, that's an interesting one because we've seen Pereira play on the right as well and that's not worked, but also Mata on the right hasn't worked, but two good assists from him. So Is that a compliment to Mata or what? how awful Norwich are? Well, Norwich weren't great, were they? If we're being, if we're being polite about it. But I think... Mata is a better alternative to Jesse Lingard and he's not been given a, a run in the team. Do I think, well, he's not a long-term solution to anything, is he? He's coming towards the end of his career, but United 
still need a right-sided player. Juan Mata is not the answer to the right wing solution that we've all been searching yeah. for Never for years. More than peace gone. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really think that? No. Don't need to. <laughs> True, but no, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good performance from him. I know I think Rashford, for his goals, got given man of the match by the United fans. But I personally would have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what Charlotte said about matter there. But go to your point: was it a reflection of how bad Norwich were? It's hard to take too much, wasn't it, from the game because yes. United were good, but Norwich were awful. And like I don't you said I, it was difficult. It's hard to envisage that Norwich have. What was the stat? They haven't conceded three yeah. goals in the game since they last played United. Yeah, which was um, uh, which I was informed by the the lad who's on the door at the, the director's lounge. So he said, "Don't quote him," but I'm going to have to quote him because he was absolutely right. So I don't think he'll mind that. But it, it was remarkable that I mean, at nil nil when United players were running at Norwich, um, the, the chasm was so so glaring, and they they did just look like a championship side. There, there were times at nil nil where some fans were getting exasperated because Matic would give the ball away and there was a bit of unease creeping in but United were pretty comfortable it's it, I don't think anybody went into that game thinking this is a case of how many United are going to win by purely because they're on a pretty dismal run of form but th- that was very much the case I mean I, I just could not foresee any other outcome other than them winning that game maybe not as comfortably as they did but at least we will be spared. It looks like uh, trips to league trips to Norwich next season. Yeah. They're still in the Bring, FA Cup, <laughs> and probably that first round of Carabao next year. Who knows what's gonna come, come your way? Uh, Charlotte Maguire's returned to the team as well. He overcame that hip injury that saw him miss the game against Man City. Uh, it was always conflicting reports heading up to the game, but he looks back and he says he's raring to go again. Now the United have this packed fixture schedule. How impressed were you? with him on his return because United really did miss him against Man City well they did didn't they because Phil Jones was brought in to replace him we all know what happened there so he's a lot better defender than Phil Jones and it just shows I think Lindelof looks a lot more comfortable when he's got someone like Maguire alongside of him than when he's got Phil Jones flailing around in front of Kevin De Bruyne but I think every. I think after that Sheffield United game everyone would have been surprised to see Jones again and it's just United injuries that have led to that happening. Tuanzebe, I think he should be still considered to be given a shot because Lindelof's been a bit sketchy this season. So it'll be interesting. Eric Baig made his return from injury on that. Friday night at Lee. Pulled out from Lee on Friday night. Well, evidently not. Yeah, chaos. There was no Wi-Fi and it was absolutely freezing. But apart from that, Isn't there a laptop issue I've heard about. Yeah, there is a serious laptop issue to take into consideration. But once we've taken all that into consideration, a it was a night great out. night. Yeah, they Where won two, you want to spend your two one. Uh, against Newcastle back to winning ways in the league Fosu Mensah made his return in midfield and Eric Bailly was back there at the back so that's another option for Phil Jones who just keeps is going to keep falling further down the pecking order isn't he but Maguire giving the captain's armband again has got leadership qualities solid enough yeah Solskjaer said before Friday he said on Friday that it was like I'm two new players back with Bayi and Fosu Mensa. I thought you meant Harry Maguire then no but uh, for yourself Charlotte, what have you seen enough from those two back on the return from injury do you think Ivan has a role in the first team to play no I know that sounds really harsh but I asked Fosu Mensa. it's not harsh <laughs> I asked Fosu Mensa after the game he needs Fosu Mensa is young he's just turned 22 he needs to get be playing consistently and playing at under 23s is not the level that he needs to be playing at so if I was him 
I'd be trying to get a loan before the um, before the window closes because then he's got the last few last few months of this season to prove how good he is. Where should he be playing? Should he be playing right back, centre back, midfield? He hasn't even nailed down a position that's his best. He did he did all right on Friday. He went on a storming sixty yard run and forced a good save from the keeper, which had all the fans on Twitter were like, "Oh, get him in the first team." Solskjaer, I love he's this. made this eighteen year old look. Like yeah, he's an exactly. <laughs> that's the wow. point. So it was to be fair to him, he's not played any football since April. Last year it was a solid comeback he didn't put a foot wrong he could have scored a great goal fine but how on earth is he going to fit into that first team setup I just can't see it happening and he was saying oh they've got loads of fixtures coming up well you're into the knockout stages of the Europa League he's not going to be starting in that FA Cup if they get through from this replay I can't he's not going to start in that they're not he's not going to start in, if by some miracle they get through to the League Cup final he's not maybe he's talking about the under 23 games well I asked him that I just said so would you be happy playing for the under 23s and I got a nervous laugh in reply and then he scooted out the door so you can read into that what you will but neither, I, <laughs> I don't wow. think I don't think either of them if we're being honest have a long term future in the first team wow ouch there we go uh, yeah heard it here first Time for our half-time tease. Oh. Then we'll talk about Marcus Rashford. What a weekend it was for him. His double century for United, 200 appearances, and he got a brace to celebrate. But Charlotte, no, Samuel, you'll know already. Me. We will come to you if we need help. I, I don't. I don't need a quiz. Charlotte, after the break, today. I want to know who are the only of the 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 other three United players to reach 200 appearances at a younger age than Marcus Rashford. We'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, we left Charlotte with the uh, teaser of naming the three United players to have reached 200 appearances for the club at a younger age than Marcus Rashford. Um, Are you going to give us? I'm going to try. Okay. George Best. Correct. Wayne Rooney. No. 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 <laughs> well, that's fine. That's, well, that's gone off. Um, after all the furore on social media, Norman Whiteside. Yes. You've got the two hardest, I think. Gigs. Just like that. Just to tap it. I only, I only know that because I checked the mirrors back pages. Well, when I was looking at the back pages and was obviously that, the Whiteside thing. Was that, has that made the back page on yes, the mirror? Yes. For, on, our, on our sister paper's back page, yes. Wow. Yeah. wow. About Mrs. Whiteside. Yeah. Well, it was Ash who uh, sourced the question, so he obviously not looked very far, has he, for it this week? But uh, <laughs> Samuel, transfers. Uh, we all know where this is going to go. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes. It was, yeah, it was almost a taboo in this summer to mention his name, but he's back again. How close is he going to come to Old Trafford this time? <sighs> well, when, uh, when producer Ash mentioned his name the other week, I just thought, oh, you know, funny joke, etc. But then, of course, they are actually looking at the possibility of, of signing him. If, if United do sign him, the, the, the hyenas on Twitter will just be so ecstatic that they probably won't wonder or ask why didn't United sign him six or five or six months ago when anyone had a free run at him. Uh, and a guy who's... He's 25, I think. I mean, scoring 14 goals and 13 assists, whatever it is, that that is not clinching form at that age it's not like someone has matured into a United standard player in that time and not a lot has really changed 
the United midfield is still depleted. I think the fact that McTominay and Pogba are injured is it is significant and it's insignificant. If they were fit, you'd still say United need a player. They need to reinforce the squad this this month. It doesn't make that much of a difference. I think what's possibly more significant is that obviously Pogba doesn't want to be there. His agent is making that abundantly clear and their succession plan for Pogba has effectively already started because he's just been he's played eight times this season. So that helps. And if you can get a player in, his possible replacement in, in January, get him settled in for six months, then he's raring to go for the start of the new season. And it's particularly key if it's a player who's coming from abroad, like Fernandes would be. Um, and of course, Fernandes can play as a playmaker. He can play as a midfielder. You, I suppose... You'd probably say he'd be an attacking midfielder rather than a playmaker. And then if you get him in, you also go for the playmaker as well. Um, although so I, it wouldn't affect, I mean, this is for maybe headline SEO purposes, but it wouldn't, elect the, it wouldn't affect any pursuits of someone like Madison or Grealish. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but then again, United signed three players last summer when they needed probably five and wanted five. So you wouldn't put it past them. And going into this summer, you'd say they need six. And I don't think many people would bet on them getting six. There are certain areas of the squad that they can say, OK, we won't prioritise that this summer, like left back. But there is also the flip side is, well, Luke Shaw's unfit again. He's had another hamstring injury. Young's going to... Young will not be at United next season, so you you are probably going to need a left back. But you know the, the priority is they they need to they need midfielders they need attackers, so you have to operate by that. And yeah, Fernandez he ticks a lot of boxes. Um, you know, I'm sure his following if they do sign him. His following, his Google references will be referenced on the next uh, investors call. He'll probably be signed for Portugal at the Euros. He's got he'll be the one tasked with servicing Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, João Felix, whoever. So there are a lot of pros and it's understandable that United are interested in him, but it still begs the question as to why they are now a lot more, that they are hotter for a player who was the source of, and I'm quoting United here, irritation in the summer. That is a drastic about turn. And I think another issue that nobody has really touched upon, apart I well, I have in a piece that's just gone on, um, gone up today, is that why are other clubs not in for someone who's got such impressive numbers this season, and was interested in City and Tottenham in the summer? It seems like United have a free run at him, and you feel a bit uneasy on United's behalf that that's the case. It's a little bit like Lindelof in that they had a free run at Lindelof, and you wondered. Why, why is nobody else in for him? And then we saw why at Huddersfield, although Lindelof's matured into a, a decent player for United, he's, he's still had a bad season up until this point. And um, unfortunately for United, uh, Twitter opinion is not a reliable gauge of how well or how good a player is. A lot of people on Twitter in the summer were convinced that Nicolas Pepe would be phenomenal in the Premier League. Admittedly, it's taken Luke Shaw to ease him into what a Premier League player should perform like, but he was pretty useless in the first half of the season for Arsenal. And I know there's mitigation there with Emery being pretty hopeless while he was overseeing Arsenal in the first first few months of the season. But 
it's asking an awful lot of a player to come from Portugal at a level which is pretty I mean there's no pre- he's, he's operating under no pressure at Sporting there's 16 points off the top there they never challenge for the league they never win the league if memory serves rightly in, in recent years Whereas, I mean, a lot of United fans, I'm sure, will say, well, James Madison, 16 points off with Leicester in the Premier League. The key difference with Madison is that he is playing in the Premier League and he's also not succumbed to second season syndrome. So as long as they're not going for Fernandes over Madison, I think it's understandable. And yes, he is a midfielder, an attacking midfielder, whatever. And he is, he is enhancing the squad. But there's going to be an awful lot of pressure on him to be the saviour um, straight away. And at the money that Sporting want for him it's not like they've got a free hit there as if to say you know if it doesn't work out it's okay it's quite cost efficient they're paying a lot of money for a player who is pretty unproven outside of Portugal and even in the Nations League which it was it's barely an international tournament I wasn't massively impressed by him but I, obviously you know you can't judge players off a major tournament so there are pros and cons they're looking at the possibility of doing a deal but they are approaching it with much trepidation because they've they've been burnt in the past from looking at Portuguese players or they've just got I mean I can imagine some at United and some who have former employees uh, still wake up in the dead of night after a, a Nicholas Gaitan nightmare I mean Portuguese clubs use United to whip up an auction for a player and United have communicated that they're, they're very conscious that Sporting are desperate to sell. The noise is all coming out of Portugal. The agent is desperate to get him a move. They try these tactics a lot of the time. So it still would not be a surprise to me if come the end of the month, come the closure, come the windows closure, he's still at Sporting or he's suddenly moved to another club who are nowhere near as big as United. The, uh, the, the thing that doesn't sit easy when you look at it is that United needed midfielders in the summer and they didn't get them for many different reasons. If Solskjaer really, really wanted Bruno Fernandes, it wouldn't have been a source of irritation for the club. Surely they could have just gone out of their way and landed him. What has changed? I know they've had injuries to Pogba and McTominay, but they needed a midfielder last summer. What's suddenly changed to make him this saviour that's going to be the answer to all United's problems that he wasn't six months ago? I just think if you're looking at the transfer strategy, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, if he's the answer... Get him, get him in the summer, and don't, don't say we're irritated by the reports in Portugal that Fernandez is coming to United. It's, oh yeah, we really want him, and well, we just missed out. I know, I know they don't want to seem like they missed out on players, but that wasn't really the brief that was coming out of Old Trafford, was it? It wasn't that they missed out on him. It was, no. it was all being blown like yeah. blown out of proportion. Their interest in him, yeah, they think he's a decent player. They've looked at him, but that was that and now suddenly it's like he's going to be the saviour of the January transfer window and I do you not see it then no not really I can understand I can understand why they would want to make a move him but my argument it would be that if he wasn't good enough to make a move for in the summer why is he suddenly good enough to make a move for now I just don't is it a panic buy because United aren't where they want them want to be and Solskjaer thinks maybe they need to buy someone to, to get fans appease the fans yeah. and if you go on Twitter he's got to be one of the most popular names 
no one's stopped talking. The fans on Twitter have not stopped talking about him. Every single time you do one of those question and, and answer sessions on twi- on our blog, you get always get the question, what's going on with Bruno Fernandes? Well, even- I've not done one for mon- many months, Yeah, but that's what but I mean. Yeah. But even, even when he's not been mentioned at all, yeah. someone will always pipe up with that question. So he's, he's popular with the online community, but... If I don't know, we'll see what happens. But there are a few things on it. I mean, United are allowed to change their minds. They're allowed to hold up their hands and say, "Yeah, we we should have got him in the summer. We're going to try and get him now." Um, the thing you touched upon about fan discontent, I think that has to be factored into it because you go back six years when United signed Juan Mata, having started the year, I think with three defeats they they were going out of the League Cup semi-final on penalties to Sunderland uh, they, they lost to Swansea in the FA Cup they lost 3-1 at Chelsea uh, I think they lost to Tottenham at the start of that month as well M- Matter was an appeasement signing he was not a Dave Moy signing he was he was an Ed Woodward signing I mean I don't think I think the month earlier when Moyes had lunch with uh, the Manchester pack at San Carlo he said that he was asked about possibly signing Ross Barkley and he said, why would we need a number 10? We've got Rooney. And then, of course, they go and sign a number 10 in Matter. Um, another one, and this is just a theory, is that you can you would understand it if they were reluctant to sign Fernandez when there is a possibility of a managerial change and the coach who could come in is Pochettino, who just did not push for Fernandez in the summer. Tottenham could have signed him. They sent two intermediaries out to Lisbon to try and you know, gauge the possibility of a deal, but they didn't send a club employee. It was intermediaries um, working on behalf of an agency. So a week that promised potentially Paolo de Barla and Bruno Fernandes come to Tottenham ended with Giovanni Lo Celso on loan. So I don't think you can entirely discount that. But as I said, that that is just a theory but it would not bode well for a player if he were to make a big £50 million move or £60 million move in January then come the summer the manager's changed and the manager that comes in is someone who really wasn't fussed about signing him in the summer Hmm, bodes well doesn't it we shall see Uh, (laughs) I need a lift Charlotte Wolves again this week how are you feeling going into that one FA Cup version of replay to either face Watford it's or just Tramier. got to be better than the last one game hasn't it I think that's well, if you had to have a shot on target yeah exa- exactly so that's the uh, the biggest positive going into it is it cannot be worse than that game at Molyneux at Liverpool at the weekend as well so you'd the ex- ball is guaranteed to hit the back of the net one way or another well, yeah because yeah. it's going to go to penalties it could be one unless, unless they just go over the line all the time <laughs> it could be one of those gruelling penalty shootouts goes on for 10 years it could that's something you, for us all to look forward to, you have, isn't it? Do you have faith in United to win? That? I've, I've got a feeling United's going to win against Wolves. Really, I don't think Wolves are that fussed about the yeah. FA Cup. And um, it's going to be maybe played by Solskjaer as a big... And I think, he, uh, yeah, and he's he's going to play a stronger side, you'd imagine, than the side that he put out at Molyneux, even though Liverpool... Do you think so? Math, yeah, I couldn't... I, can't, do you not I think personally don't... Th- start and... Chong and... Mm. What about defence? Do you think Maguire will be risked... Coming back from injury, or do you, oh, you suggesting Phil Jones gets thrown uh, in again? You've said the name Phil Jones, Dishon <laughs> Bernard, Fosu Mensah, Eric Bailly. Bailly's big return so, so could, many could be on the cards. So, what, what, how strong do you think Sasha's going to go? I think a few Greenwood changes. Will probably start. Yeah. start. 
think uh, maybe like Rashford get a rest, Greenwood start, he, a few changes, Jay but Lee, not. He talked about resting Rashford. Uh, I, I, I'm inclined to just not play him ever again <laughs> after after he decided to um, team up with an agent who doesn't want his, his not clients any, at United. Not buying any of the merch? No, I mean, did you see that in the programme on Saturday? One of the adverts for one of United's many sponsors. Lingard is obviously posing in it, but of course he's also doing his insignia with his with his hands. I mean, he did that when he scored in the friendly against Milan and Cardiff, and you just think that it's the desperation really, really did bad. He did it against a star as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Mm. Um, when he captained... At least star. he's got someone who can advise him properly now I guess in, in Mino Charlotte Wolves what's your prediction I think United will win Samuel yes I'll, I'll go along with you two and say they'll win there we go positivity hopefully before, I got the score right on Saturday so no okay, what's the score Wednesday then oh I thought you said what was the score on Saturday I was like I know I'm not, not good hard. good at these quizzes but I'm good at that 2-1 uh, 2-1 United Wednesday okay you heard it here first Although we don't condone betting on the MEM podcast. Only on betting previews. Only on betting pools. <laughs> we'll have to read the T's and C's. Uh, Samuel, Charlotte, thank you very much. Thank you. For thank joining you. us this time on the Manchester Red podcast. We'll be back again prior to the weekend trip to face Liverpool at Anfield. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time. <laughs>